0: Well, it's the second week in a series called God-Given Game-Changing Gifts. That's why Kim didn't wanna say the whole thing either. God-Given Game-Changing Gifts. And the idea is this, that uh, our loving God wants to literally shower his people with gifts. But these gifts that he really wants us to have and to enjoy in this life, uh, he can't give them apart from himself, apart from closeness with himself. Now, last week we talked about the gift of intrinsic worth or value that because Christ created us for himself and because Christ sacrificed his life on the cross, it tells you, I, everyone, that every human being is of great intrinsic value. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to run any faster, jump any higher. You are born with intrinsic worth in the sight of God. But we also said there's conditional value that we can even improve on, the idea that if we make ourselves available to God and if we'll serve him faithfully through life, that he can expand our value to bless the lives of others and it will echo all the way into eternity. So we dealt with that last week, this whole idea of significance. We have God-given intrinsic significance, but then we have conditional significance based on our availability and our faithfulness. Today we're going to talk about a different gift that God wants us to have. And I want to start by saying that this series is called God-Giving Game-Changing Gifts. Not all gifts change game or change life. I mean, sometimes we get a gift and we just enjoy it for a season and we don't fully have our lives impacted by it. I mean, um, perhaps somebody in here as a child... Maybe you, you received some tennis rackets or maybe you received a football as a kid or, or maybe a basketball or a guitar. Just curious, how many have received any of those presents as a kid? Can you see your hands? And yet, it likely didn't change your life. But when you give a guitar to a little kid named Jimmy and he becomes Hendrix, it changes his life. <laughs> Or you give a basketball to a little kid named michael and he becomes jordan you get the drift you give a tennis racket to two little girls named serena and venus and it becomes life-changing so some of the gifts are life-changing and some are not now these gifts that god offers us they are meant for every human being it is terrible for us to go through life and not fully possess and fully enjoy these gifts Uh, they're completely accessible but they're also gifts that we can miss out on and so one of the gifts that we're going to talk about today is this one God-given security now as we sit here today it would be extraordinarily interesting to find out if cards would go up and we all were going to be rated accurately how insecure or, or secure insecure or secure we are as human beings it would be fascinating to see some of us no doubt would, would rate Uh, very very low in that we are extremely insecure people and even though people might meet us and they might not ever guess it we might know ourselves to be those that are extremely insecure others of us will be extremely secure and all in between but the thing about security is is that it's something that each and every one of us pretty much count on we need certainty we need consistency for example Uh, You and I all did something similar today. Every one of us in this room did something similar. How many of you woke up today? Can I just see your hands? Some of you are still not sure, you're like in between. That's why you come to second service, right? (laughs) And when you woke up, you opened your eyes and you didn't even give it any thought, but your eyes, and this is remarkable, your eyes saw in technicolor. You saw everything in color. You didn't wake up and see in black and white, you saw in color. And then you put your feet on the floor and you walked. You actually got up and you walked. And when you woke up, you were not floating around on the ceiling. You were, you were down in your bed. Now, we take these things for granted. But, you know, suppose the laws of physics changed all the time. Some mornings you wake up in your bed. Some mornings you wake up floating around on the ceiling. Suppose some mornings you wake up and you open your eyes and you see black and white. Other mornings you see color. You then probably, if you're like me, you either did one or two things. And I'm not trying to be embarrassing here. But you either... Let's be honest, we're all human. You either race to the bathroom or you race to make the coffee. Which did you do? Be honest. Which did you do? (laughs) But for you that race to get the coffee, you started your coffee and you waited patiently, as patiently as you could. And then, man, when you get that first sip, how many know it's almost indescribable to explain how good. You've had it a million times, but it's just as good every time. You, you that did use the bathroom, and I can see by the look in your eyes, you were, which, which did that. But, and it's okay. There's, it's a human dilemma. And, um, but when you use the bathroom, I'm going to assume you flushed the handle and everything went down. It did not go up. And you trusted it would be so. You need the security to know that when you flush the handle, it goes down, it does not come up. But suppose we lived in a world where nothing was consistent. We, we need security, we crave security. You came barging down the highway in this nearly 4,000 pound chariot, the lakes of which most of human history has never seen anything so big so fast. You came barging down the highway, going somewhere between 55 and 85 miles an hour. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know you, I know me. <laughs> and if you ride on 15 or on two, 270, there is a rule you must get within two inches of the bumper of the car in front of you because if you don't somebody will just push you off the highway and so everybody's going 55 to 85 two inches apart and the first one, was at one inch I thought two would be more impressive more likely and then you and I expect that when we push the brakes that nearly 4,000 pound chariot is going to stop on a dime right this is what we expect We need security. We live in a world where we want things to be consistent. They're certain. We count on it even though everything that I just said is not certain. It's not certain that you and I will wake up tomorrow with our physical faculties all intact. I'm not trying to be gloomy. I'm just telling you the truth. You know it is. It's not certain that you and I are going to wake up tomorrow morning and our mental faculties will all be intact or our emotional faculties. It's not certain that you and I tomorrow when we get up that we will still be respected and liked and admired by the people that once respected and admired and liked us. And the dark side is you and I know there's no guarantee that when you and I get up tomorrow we'll be loved by the people that we have counted on desperately wanted to love us. We we count on these things. We need these things. We want this kind of security. But in the back of our minds, we know there's too many examples in our world around us that, that these things are sort of secure but not exactly secure. So this universal desire, this universal desire for security let's just pause the universal desire for security it reveals the original divine intention if we say where does this come from i mean why do we want to have this kind of security where do we get the idea that anybody can ever be this secure because truth be told you and i we want those that like us to like us still those that respect us to respect us still those that love us to love us still we want our jobs to be secure we want our health to be secure we want our economic base to be secure we want our world to be geopolitically secure we want all of our relationships to be secure. So where do we get this notion from? Because there is not a single model in all of human history, anywhere on the planet existent today, never has been, never will be until something changes. Now, now you say, well, Randy, there was one time. And you would be right there there was one short time we don't know how long it was but it was when god had first created adam and eve in the garden of eden and he would go and visit them in the garden of eden and this is prior to the time when satan slandered the character of god and they broke trust with god prior to that it looked like security might have been an entire reality perfect security they were perfectly safe perfectly loved Um, Eve didn't at nighttime when Adam was asleep. He, she didn't count his ribs to make sure he didn't get, go out and cheat on her. Now, you that read the Bible, you know what that means. You that don't, you'll have to read Genesis and figure it out. But they were secure. But other than that, there's never been a time, never been a time in human history. So, so why do we crave perfect security? Where do we get this image from? Why do we believe that it's even feasible, possible? Where does this come from? And that's where I like to start us in this talk where we're looking at this gift of God-given security. And and let me just share share this. This message is gonna start out kinda on a theoretical way 35,000 foot level and then it's gonna get very, very practical. There, There will be concrete tools put in each of our hands where we can absolutely go out of here today and for the rest of our life being far more secure enjoying partaking of this gift of security that God wants each and every one of us to have and each and every one of us are already partaking of at different levels so let's look at where it came from here we go John 4 John chapter 1 excuse me first John chapter 1 it's uh, verse chapter 4 <laughs> it makes a simple statement It says God is love. Elsewhere in the scripture it says God is light. It says that God is spirit. Here it says God is love. We love because he first loved us. Now, when it says God is love, we have to kind of clarify that, that meaning because in our world, love is kind of this mushy thing. Love can mean just an emotion. Love can mean you just kind of do whatever somebody wants you, know, you to do for them. And, but, but God's love is different. It is he knows what is best, and he always devotes himself sacrificially to what is best and highest for those that he's created, particularly as image-bearing beings. So his love is strong. It's clear. It's principle-governed. Far from being just impulsive and emotional, it's principle governed. So this notion of security, it comes from God because a part of love, you want those that you love to be safe, you want them to be secure, you want them to be satisfied. In fact, we'll talk about that next week. But security comes from God who is love and God wants, intends for those that he created in his own image to experience great degrees of security. Now. As we sit here today, we're all likely feeling some insecurity in certain areas of our life. It could be vocational insecurity. It might be physical insecurity. Things might be changing physiologically with it. It might be mental-emotional. It might be relational, which tends to be the area that we, we feel the most pain in as well. But, but likelihood is we're all in some way seeking more security in some realm of our life than what we presently have but God intended us always intended us to be secure because he knows how important that is let's go on in Proverbs 19 it says everyone longs for love that does what never fails now we get into the more sensitive side of security Human beings, every human being you'll ever meet, you, me, all of us, everyone that's ever lived, we're always looking for love. We are love-driven beings because God who created us, he's love personified. We are relational beings. We're always seeking love. We, want, we don't want just some people to love us. We want everybody to love us all the time, and some people to love us a great deal more than others, but we're always looking for it, and we want love that never what? Never fails, and that's where insecurity comes in. Because we know we live in a world where people suddenly change their minds about us, suddenly change their feelings for us, suddenly change the nature of the relationship they have with us. We know these things are real possibilities and we cannot control them. And so they make us more or less insecure. We fear that the love that we have and that we're enjoying and that we're maybe clinging to that it might be taken away from us, and we can't really do anything about it in most cases. Let's look again. In James, it says this, Whatever is good and perfect, it's a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Security is a gift that God gives to us. He wants us to have. We have it to some degree, but we don't have it to the degree that He originally intended it to be. So every good gift, and I've given it some thought. I think that sometimes we as human beings... We cheat ourselves in knowing how good we have it because we don't really think about the gifts that we have just by being human. I mean you guys have heard me say before you know a mosquito has life has a a kind of a life but a mosquito's life is not nearly as interesting or as complex or enjoyable as a dog's life. Dogs have a, a more sophisticated level of living but then a human being compared to a dog well you're on a whole different planet i mean you know a dog is not entertained by good music or a good story or a beautiful sunset or a dog can't use their imagination to write a story or anything like that A dog can't communicate as fluently as human beings can the great gifts that we possess we tend to forget about take them for granted being image-bearing beings we have the ability, the capacity to experience life like God himself experiences it. Mind, reason, emotions, will, even our senses. You ever think about that? I mean, God could have made us where we were beings that needed to eat, but everything tasted the same. But isn't it cool that things taste different, you know? If everything tasted the same, we'd all be thinner, but, but, we, <laughs> but it wouldn't be nearly as fun. Uh, <laughs> We can see, we can, we can smell, sense, we can hear, sound. I mean, why did God do this? It's, it's his heart full of love saying, I'm gonna create things that are beautiful to hear and I'm gonna give ears to beings to enjoy and I'm gonna give minds and imaginations and emotions. Think of emotions, the gift of emotions that we receive from God. His good and perfect gift. If you and I didn't have emotions, life has no quality. I mean, Spock on Star Trek, you know, he was kind of an interesting character, but who wants to be that guy? He's never high, he's never low, he's never anything. He's just, he just is. He's just a, kind of this bland intellect. Feelings. God gives us the ability to experience life on the level that He Himself does. We would be wise and we would feel more secure if we reminded ourselves occasionally at least of these extraordinary gifts. That God is already giving to us. But let me go on with this. Psalm 37 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and He might give you your heart's desires. Is that what it says? <laughs> Take delight in the Lord, and He might give you your heart's desires. Anybody want to correct me? <laughs> he will. You guys, it's so funny. The first service. He will. He will. You know, second service. It's really a fascinating, distinct energy difference that tends first, second, third. I don't know what the phenomenon is, but you know what I'm trying to get at. I want you to read the scripture with clarity and with objectivity, and he will. It is a promise. It is a commitment. God says, he will give to you, to me, my heart's desires. Now, my heart's desires sometimes are stupid, foolish, ignorant, destructive. So I have to read this verse a little more carefully take delight in the Lord and as I'm delighting in Him, which means I'm trusting in Him, I'm loving His ways, I'm loving His will, I'm learning His principles, I'm learning how He designed me to live, the laws of my being, I'm I'm, I'm centering my life in Him. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires, which means He's going to create The appropriate desires he's going to stir the appropriate desires in me and he's going to help me rid myself of stupid destructive desires because I have you have we have some stupid destructive desires but this is a promise and we're going to talk about this more next week about satisfaction because it's one of the gifts that God wants us to know when he creates for example thirst in a human body he makes sure there's something to drink I don't want to get too far into next week's message but this is a promise for the future You will someday, if you have put your trust in Christ, your creator, and become his follower, you will live in a world that is completely secure. Everyone is secure. They're secure mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, economically, vocationally. It will be beautiful. Every single day will be beautiful. No one will worry again. That is the promise of God. He created you in love for such a secure society. And that's why we ache for whatever tiny little bit of security that we can gain now in this life. Because we sense we were made for more. God promises that will come. Now, that comes only under this condition. The universal human desire for security requires, this is important, requires... Humanity's not gonna bring a secure society. Governmental structures are not gonna bring a secure society. Nothing that humanity has done in the past, will do in the future will ever bring security to planet Earth. Security of the kind that we want, it requires an eternal divine intervention now when I say eternal divine intervention I mean not an intervention at one time for a short period of time for example God intervened a lot of times in human history particularly during the coming of Christ who is God in human form he intervened he has completely changed the nature of life since then but we don't have security we, we have what I'm going to show you in a minute functional security but that's about all we have so God has to not just intervene again in human history he has to intervene and settle down for good it means he must return he must utilize his power he must change things that need to be changed and we'll look at what that means in a bit and then he stays with us when he would visit the garden of Eden that was one thing but, but we need God to stay in the garden for us to be eternally secure so It requires an eternal divine intervention. Now, Matthew 6, when this prayer, some some people pray this prayer regularly, you know, it's the Lord's Prayer, and part of it, uh, in the request part of the, the prayer, it says, your kingdom, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many knew when you're praying that prayer, you're praying for the return of Christ? Can I just see your hands? You are, every time you pray that prayer. You're praying for the return of Christ. You're praying that the kingdom of God will come to this earth. In other words, that God will be king over all the earth. And what will it mean when God is king over all the earth? His will will be done by everyone all the time on earth as it is now in heaven. And so... This prayer is a prayer for God to return, to rule and to reign over every heart, every mind, but to stay, to never withdraw his power again. To never let anything spoil his rule and his reign so that everything will be functioning the way that he created it. Everything will be living by its divine design. And then we will have security look at another one that kind of shows you the results of that revelation 21 now this is this is interesting because it comes after christ returns he rules and reigns on planet earth for a thousand years sets up a perfect government after the thousand years there's one last rebellion you can read about all this in revelation 20 how many have ever read read just two chapters in your bible revelation 20 and 21 let me see your hands if you have it go home and read them and you'll hear the anything I'm saying now about a thousand year reign of Christ and about a final rebellion and then after that final rebellion after the thousand year reign of Christ you have this it says I heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God's dwelling place that word dwelling place home it's his home it's the place he's going to stay for eternity God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and here's the result He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things that's passed away. This is perfect security. When God finally renovates planet earth and he creates a new heaven and a new earth in which he is going to dwell forever and ever with his people, then we have perfect security. You'll never have the emotion of fear. I'll never have the emotion of fear again. No insecurity will ever exist again. Now, this makes us aware then that the security, the perfect security that I want and you want, it can't be brought about by human uh, activity. We have to wait for a divine intervention. So this brings us to this. Perfect security requires the intervention of God and what else? The abolition of what? Of evil. Until evil is completely abolished and all those that would do evil there cannot be perfect security there will always be insecurity because evil of necessity creates insecure circumstances things occur that should not be occurring people get hurt people will always get hurt until evil is abolished so the perfect security we want we can't have it right now but God promises to us it is a reality we were made for it it's the desire of our heart and he actually will give it to us and it will last forever and ever but that brings us to now and this is where I want to spend the rest of the message because I don't want you to go home thinking well that was a very impractical message it didn't help me a bit you might think that anyhow but it's not my goal Um, I want to spend the rest of the time showing you what I think can change your your security insecurity quotient right now. In fact, I know it can. I know that it will. And I know that God wants it to. God wants all of us to leave here today being more secure than what we were when we came in. And we absolutely can be if we take just these five principles that I'm going to share with you for the rest of the message. So we can't have perfect security now, but what we can have is this, functional security. Functional security. It requires... Two things we cannot have in this life. Some Christians don't have functional security, but they could if they were familiar with God's what? His purposes. And what else? His promises. If I don't know what God's purposes are in life, if I'm ignorant of His ways and His will and His word, if I don't know why I'm here and what He's doing and what His plans are for me and what His plans are for every human life and what His plans are for eternity, if I don't know His purposes... I'm not gonna have the security, the functional security that I could have. And worse, if I don't know his promises. In other words, if God is obligated to do certain things for me, but I'm ignorant of his word and I don't know what they are, then I'm gonna feel insecure where maybe I could feel quite secure. Does that make sense? In other words, if God's promised me something, but I don't know about it, it's not gonna do me any good. If God's got a purpose for certain occurrences in my life, but I don't know what his purpose is, when those occurrences happen, I'll count them as trouble, And and it might make me actually more insecure than secure. So we want to look kind of carefully at these. I'm going to divide this into five five headings. Here we go. First, Hebrews 13, 5, it says, And God has said, never, this is an important word. It was very important to me as a young man. It's still important. Never will I, what? Leave you. you. Never will I, what? Now, there's probably very few of us in this room that haven't had someone at some time that we didn't want to leave us or forsake us leave us and forsake us in some way it's a phenomenon of life in this world where we want security, we want perfect security but perfect security is not to be had here is the creator of the universe the one that hung on across to win back your trust, my trust to show that, that no one knows what is best, love, loves us more than we could possibly love ourselves. He loves us more than we love ourselves. He hangs on the cross and says, listen, I'll never, many other people might leave you and forsake you. In the Psalms it says, even your mom and dad may leave you and forsake you, but I'll never, never leave you or forsake you. This is a critical starting point for functional security in this world because you have inside of you a, a God shaped vacuum. It's probably a term you've heard before. You were meant to carry, to be a God carrier. You were meant to carry the presence of God in your heart and in your life. You were never meant to face any situation, any circumstance in life alone. And we feel terribly alone. You were kind of born alone when you think about it. And then you kind of die alone. And everything in between at times feels very alone and lonely unless unless that vacuum is filled by the presence of God. This was critically important to me as a young man when I first put my trust in Christ. I had been kind of bounced around in my early years as a child. One would take me in, one would throw me out, then they throw me out, and the other one take me in. And and when I came across this in scripture, Jesus reiterates it in John 6:37. He said, "The one that comes to me I'll never cast out." I mean, that meant everything to me. And if you understand it, it'll mean everything to you. You I, we were meant to be God carriers the presence of God as a reality within you, within me the one that will never leave us your mom, your dad, your best friend your your partner in business I don't care who it is they may, they may we live in an insecure world they may reject you, abandon you, betray you God will never He will never leave I may forsake Him, you may forsake Him but He will not forsake us so that means this no time there will be no time he won't be what will you read it with me no time he won't be with me take that truth internalize that truth however much it takes maybe you put it somewhere and you read it you know periodically once a week twice a week I don't know but you need to know I need to know we need to know if I'm going to feel more secure in this insecure world there's never ever the whole world may turn against you or me Jesus will not he will never leave us never forsake us I need that to feel secure in this insecure world you need that to feel secure in this insecure world you'll never be alone never 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 unless we block him out number two, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 it says praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our, what is the word? John 16, 33, Jesus is last night with his disciples. He tells them, he says, in this world, you will, not maybe, you will have troubles. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. So here we have this reminder, who comforts us in all our troubles. If you have put your trust in Christ and are his follower, should you expect to have troubles? Yes. Yes then why is it that some people that say they're Christians, when trouble comes, they get angry at God? And, and they, they really get angry, they really get bitter. And some of them, they, they walk away from God, they walk away from His church. They, I mean, why does that happen? If God has told us, and He does so, by the way, redundantly throughout the New Testament as well as the Old Testament, that in this world, trouble is going to be normative for the good and those that are not good, for the righteous and the unrighteous. So here it says, What he wants to do is comfort us when we're in the trouble. He's taking for granted that we know we're gonna have trouble. Who comforts us in all, A-L-L, our troubles. Why? Why does he comfort us in all our troubles? So that, whenever you see that word so so that in scripture, kinda focus in and say, okay, what, what is coming? So that we can do what? Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from god so this is twofold first of all if i'm going to feel secure in an insecure world i need to know there's never going to be any trouble that i'll ever go through ever that if i reach out to god he will supply me with comfort and it will be sufficient comfort not only that he wants to allow me to learn from my trouble and the comfort that he brings to me in my trouble In other words, he's going to bring me through the trouble He's going to bring me out on the other side And he wants me to learn a lesson from it You guys all know this When, when you've gone through I, I'm gonna, I hope I don't offend anybody I had a man just last week And he might be in here this morning But as he was leaving He handed me a book I, I scanned most of it this week And this book he wrote About his young adult daughter Who died under extraordinarily unusual circumstances, very young. I think she was 34 years old. And so what he did, he took his excruciating pain and agony. Your, your, your adult daughter, way too young, dies, left behind a little three or four-year-old child. Well, he took this pain and he processed it with God and, and he put it into a letter and a book that is meant to bring comfort and healing and hope someone else that goes through this kind of a trouble in life that's what this verse is talking about it says not only has God promised me he's going to comfort me no matter what trouble I get in but he's going to bring me through it and he's going to by that process equip me to come beside someone else that they're going to know as soon as I open my mouth I know the language of their soul because I've been through what they're going through and I can help them through because the same God that comforted me I can now bring his comfort to them. I'm going to ask you something. How many of you have perhaps already experienced that? You went through a trouble and God put you into a place where you could use your experience of coming through that trouble to help somebody else going through the same thing. Can I see your hands? Oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, of no certainty. That's, that's God's free, open, wide ministry for you that he's trained and equipped you for. So, that brings us to this thought then. No hurt, there's no hurt he can't heal. Man, did I need that as a human being. I mean, I have struggled with insecurity and I had to get to the place where that, okay, even if I get my heart completely broken and shattered, no matter matter what somebody does to me, no matter how many knives they put in my back, no matter what they say, what they do, I had to get to the point where I was convinced to the core of my being that no matter what hurt Don't get me wrong. You still feel the hurt. No matter what hurt I experienced, that God would bring me through it. He could heal. He could heal. He's telling somebody here He can heal that hurt that you have almost smothered out your heart trying to protect yourself from. Some of us, we're we're so afraid of rejection. We're so afraid of abandonment. We're so afraid of getting hurt by giving ourselves, loving other people. We're we're so afraid of that. We're so suspicious. We're so guarded that we're suffocating our hearts with our own fear. Trust me on this. In Psalm 143, 7, it says that God heals the brokenhearted. He does. Yes, it hurts. But when you let God heal your broken heart and you refuse to stop loving and you refuse to close your heart to other people, you find that he brings you out on the other side with with an, an expanded capacity to love and to care and to feel and to give and you become a little less fearful in life some of you have been in a prison of insecurity for way too long you're suspicious you're accusing and you're tormented every day of your life wondering if you're going to be abandoned wondering if you're going to be deceived wondering if you're going to be taken advantage of wondering if you're going to be disrespected and God is here this morning saying you know what stop being afraid even if you get the worst even if you get hurt he'll heal us there's no hurt trust me on this one there's no hurt he cannot heal internalize that and you'll be a little more secure in an insecure world number three Romans 8 28 it says and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Well, verse 29 is going to tell us what that purpose is. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God has predestined that those that would return to him in trust, he predestined he would Transform them, that's what that word conform means, metamorphosis, the Greek word, transform us to the image of Christ. That's God's purpose in this life. This life is meant to be a developmental journey. We first return to our God by trusting in Christ, becoming his follower, then we grow and progressively become more like Christ, which is what our true self was always meant to be. But God says he's working all things that happen to us for that good purpose so that no matter what occurs in our life, if we will stay close to God, obedient to God, he'll see to it that it develops Christ-like character in us. And there's no circumstance, by the way, no matter how negative it is, there's no circumstance that that Christ-like character can't grow in if we stay close to God in that circumstance. So that brings us to this conclusion. There's no circumstance he can't use I love this that means every second every experience some of you you're going through something now and and, and the thought that goes through your head is this makes no sense to me this makes no sense I've been as faithful as I know how to be to God and all I am going through is just intense agony and, and none of it makes sense it does make sense it does if you just trust this portion of scripture there's no circumstance he can't use to help you and I grow to be more like the Christ-like self that we were meant to be but I have to have that purpose clear in my mind and internalized in my soul if I'm going to feel a little more secure in an insecure world fourth Philippians 4.19 it says God will not might he will meet all your what's the word needs. needs not my wants my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus now in 1 Timothy 6.8 it says to us as followers of Christ it says if we have food and shelter we should learn to be content with that. So that—that's God's point of view. But He says, "I'll supply all your needs." Now, needs tends to be the, the area where we worry the most. Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to have enough this? Am I going to have enough that? You know. And God is saying, you know, you can live that way. Um, you know, you you. Can. How many of you are roller coaster riders? You probably heard me do this before. Can I see your hand? You just love roller coasters. You just the the crazier the roller coaster, the better you like it, right? Okay. I am terrified I've only been on a roller coaster a few times when my kids were little I felt like I had to do it you know just to show courage but I was scared to death I finally figured out the only way I could survive the roller coaster was to close my eyes and bury myself down in the seat and I'm sure I had this horrible worse than what is normal look on my face the entire time I was not having fun okay on the roller coaster at all at all okay okay but then there were people, woo-hoo, you know, their, their hands are up and they're having a ball. So we're all going on the same ride, the same speed, the same twists and turns, same conditions. Some are having fun. You guys are having fun. I'm in terror. I'm waiting for my heart to attack me. I think it's going to be over, you know. So the point is this. We can go through life worrying about am I going to have what I need and maybe building up all kinds of things to, you know, delude ourselves into thinking we're going to have enough or I can trust this, and I'm going to learn the 24-hour rule. Jesus said, you you know, just just stick with what, what you need for today. I'm going to learn to trust him. What's the difference in if I have 100 years worth of money or supplies saved up or 24 hours? Can I eat 100 years worth or spend 100 years worth in 24 hours? No, I can't. We all have 24 hours. If we stay there, I'm rich as God is. I think God can keep on supplying me 24 hours worth. And that's all we have is 24 hours worth so that means this no need he won't provide internalize that truth that no matter what happens in his life there is no need that I will ever have that he won't supply and if I don't have it (laughs) that means one of two things either he's decided I don't really need it or he's decided my mission is over and it's time to come home okay that's what it means the day may come when we don't have food and we don't have water and we may have to just say, my mission is over, it's time to go home. The book of Revelation is very forthright and honest about that in chapter 13. At any rate, no needy won't provide. And then finally this, Psalm 139, 16, it says, Your eyes, this is the Psalm psalmist speaking to the Lord, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your... your this did not happen in the first service Um, were written in your book before one of them came to be (sighs) no I'm not going to share what I was going to share it it, it would probably be too painful for some in, in this room but the point we can't miss here is this from the millisecond of conception my unformed body the millisecond of conception God says I see your whole life your whole life all your days. And then it says in Psalm 31:15, "My times, David, the psalmist who was on the run, he says, "My times are in, what does it say? your hands." David understood that even when he was being attacked by King Saul who wanted to kill him, it's that ultimately God decides when my mission's over. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I only know that God's got his control on the start and the stop. But I do know this. I know that from the millisecond that I was conceived, (sighs) he saw all the days. He saw today. He saw this moment. And he saw the same for you. And your times are in his hands. That makes you sort of indestructible until your mission is fulfilled now we don't feel indestructible frankly we feel very vulnerable and very uncertain because on the one hand we know that the next heartbeat the next brain wave, the next breath it's a gift from God but on the other hand if we look at it from this standpoint we come to this conclusion no time has he not foreseen he has foreseen every second of my life before it ever passed therefore my start and my stop they're in his hands no one else's hands and that gives me I've learned that this gives me great security so let me conclude with a few thoughts security comes by understanding God's functional security now we have functional security now while I'm counting on God's perfect security to come he promises perfect security the perfect security I really want a world where everybody everybody's safe all the time, everybody's loved, everybody has enough nobody's in danger, nobody gets hurt, nobody cries, no more pain he promises that world exists, he will bring it and he will be present in it forevermore but until then, he gives us security within these very insecure circumstances we live in now I'm going to give you a quick summarization of the five points I gave you I'm going to make a suggestion, perhaps if you were to write these down on your own maybe go home look at it online again or however you take a picture or whatever you want to do but if you were to just take these five points and regularly read over them if you're struggling with security in some area I know I, I know in my heart this will, this will make some changes now, now mind you we have to internalize these they, they have to become personal convictions before they will be effective in relieving our insecurity in this present very insecure world so let's look at them. And I'm going to ask you to do something that you won't want to do, but you'll be glad you did it. Um, can we say these out loud together? I- I'll start by just saying the first word. So we start with the first one. No time. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You must, I must internalize that. No. Don't be afraid of getting hurt. Live in love. Give yourself Don't be afraid of being used. Even if your heart gets broken, even if you get hurt, he will comfort you and he will heal you. No hurt he can't heal. Be secure with that. No. Whatever circumstance you're in, if we stay close to him and obedient to him, he'll use it to refine our character and help us to grow to become more like Christ. No oh man some of you you got you to live on that one for a bit because your life is all wrapped around economic worries and things of that nature and you got to you got to get the 24-hour rule he's going to give you what you need for 24 hours until your mission on this earth is done you can worry about it like me on the roller coaster or you can have a ball and trust him for the next 24 hours that's our choice and then this one we may feel sometimes like the circumstances we're in don't make any sense and does god see what's happening to me does he understand what i'm feeling what i'm going through yes he does and it goes right back to this one he's with me he feels what i feel no one else can get inside and feel what i feel except god no one else can get inside and feel what you feel except god we have this internal spiritual vacuum that's made to be the dwelling place of God we are meant to be God carriers and if we become God carriers and if we take these promises and these principles that he gives us we will be functionally secure until perfect security (laughs) until perfect security comes and we can all laugh for eternity together and celebrate the greatness of the goodness of the heart of our god and when we meet him folks we're, we're gonna we're gonna discover something that we always knew him we always knew him in an intimate way that that every bit of goodness we ever experienced in our life it was his it was from him it was a reflection it was an expression of him and we'll feel at home finally safe at home and secure that's his gift to each and every one of us today i, I hope if you're here if you've never Put your trust in Christ and become his follower. I hope you will do what I did at age 23 and today. Say, let the rest of the world follow whoever it wants to follow. I'm putting my trust in the one that created this universe and who loved me enough to die on a cross to prove to me how much he loves me and wants me to trust in him. I hope you'll make a decision to trust Christ and be his follower today. And I hope none of us will leave here today without increasing our sense of security because that is God's gift to each and every one of his children and it's ours to possess. This will help us to internalize these truths. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good and you do good and you give only good gifts. May this gift of security, may we enjoy it to your honor, to your glory, to your, your sheer joy because of our trust in you and how we look forward to that perfect security that we know you will bring and that will last forever. It's in Christ's name. We wait on you. We thank you. We give you our hearts afresh. Amen.